Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Svelte Radio. Today, we have yet another guest, but before we introduce the guest, we're going to introduce ourselves. So I'm Kevin. I run a site called Svelte School, and I love Svelte, and I run this podcast as well. <laughs> I'm Sean. I work at AWS, and I've been doing some work on the Svelte Society website recently. Got to give it some love. Hi, I'm Anthony. I'm a Svelte maintainer, mostly working on Kit at the moment. And I'm also CTO of Bionk, which is a booking system for tourism and leisure. And thanks for picking back up, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Well, yes. In, you know, it's, it's a tough one, but I think so. All right. So our guest today is, is Scott Talinsky. He is a friend of the show, sponsor, and lover of Svelte, it seems like, because I just listened to you on the latest Syntax FM, where you're the co-host. And when someone asked... What's the best and easiest JavaScript framework for beginners? Both of you answered Svelte, which is a, I think it's an interesting change from, from before, maybe, where you may not necessarily have, have said that. And Scott, Scott is, uh, so I'm going to try and do an intro because I feel like I've heard it so much, but then also you can fill in the gaps. <laughs> I, like, I like that description that you always say, like, you're a full stack developer from Denver, Colorado. That's a mouthful, but it accurately describes everything. You run Level Up Tutorials, which actually, I think, started as a YouTube channel with some tutorials on some kind of design software that I, I have it in my watch list, but <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> but it's a huge channel. I think you're at like 300 something uh, K subscribers, but now it's, now it's a paid platform where you, where you have monthly video courses. And then you're also a B-boy and I always love watching your videos of, of your, your, your breakdancing. Is there anything that, that is typically not mentioned in intros that you'd like to share? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've been a developer for since 2011 professionally, but I, I've just been, you know, a lover of making websites for a very long time. You know, I just like really find passion in this stuff. So whether or not that that is like a part of my my business platform or what I'm doing, like it's it, it was first and foremost, like a hobby for me and the thing I kept going back to. So maybe that isn't often mentioned, just like how much I truly, truly love this stuff. And I, I think that that's maybe something a little interesting or not. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I do, I do see when you post updates about how you're changing the level up site, and you put some effort into the little details of the animations and stuff like that on, on the site, and it really shows that you pay attention to the details. And it's mostly a one man operation, right? Like you have yeah. you have some content creators, but it's mostly you. Yeah, and I've had three guest creators, and we just hired on our first like full-time developer last month. We, we've had a part-time developer for the past like year or so, a good friend of mine. And then now we have two devs working on it, one who's part-time and one who's full-time. And so it's, it's a growing operation and we're hoping to have a bunch more guest content creators on next year. We have a few people signed, signed on to do some really neat courses for us on stuff that are gaps in my knowledge base. Cause it's funny because like, some people are, are are a little surprised that I can produce like a 20 video tutorial series in a month, every month for a year. Yeah, <laughs> But <laughs> I should say that I've been doing it since 2012. So like for me, it's it's I, I have the, the flow and everything so practiced and I have the formula down to how I like to do things and how I like to learn things and how I like to explore topics uh, that like, hey, when we started Level Up Tutorials, it was just a way to try to give back to the Drupal community specifically on YouTube because there was like no good Drupal content. I was cranking three videos 
every Monday and Wednesday. So I was getting like six to nine videos a week. And I just did that for a billion years until now. And then <laughs> it's like I've had all this <laughs> practice to be able to do it. So it's like, all right, well, uh, I feel like I'm probably even producing less content than I used to just because it's it's a little bit more dialed in. And you have a lot of courses on your on your site. I remember I took one of your Gatsby courses way, yeah. way back. Yeah. It was really nice when I first got into to React. It was great. But then yeah. you all you also have Svelte courses, right? Yeah. So you have yeah. you had like you you had two of them before, right? You had the Svelte for beginners and Sapper for beginners, right? We had a Svelte course, a Sapper course, and then now animating svelte which was the latest one that came out in october and i've done a lot of animating react courses so for me this one was interesting to be able to apply a lot of the same like here are our basic animations you need to know but then try to do them in a completely different system and like some of the stuff it, it's funny because we can get into it more but some of the stuff in svelte was like too easy it's like okay in react to do a fly in animation we have to pick a library because there's like eight libraries to pick from you got to pick a library then you got to write the in and out and you got to worry about the mounting and unmounting and then in like svelte it's just like oh import fly attach that directive to the <laughs> like i feel like a, a fraud for teaching that because it's it's so simple but then like if anybody's coming from any other platform they're going to see how nice it is and, and to me that's the reason why we talked about svelte being the probably the best path platform for people to pick up because it, it it's so simple like that you don't have to make a lot of choices in those regards and i mean what we made a like a modal i think the modal i don't know what video that is but we made a, a like a modal in one of the videos and it is like a really nice looking like almost like the native animation that's on big sur and mac os type of looking modal and it took us no time at all it's like just pop on a couple of directives on a couple things and Bingo, bingo, it's just working. <laughs> just a yeah. question about actually, you know, starting from going, say something in React or whatever, uh, and then going to Svelte, how much time do you spend making yourself proficient in that framework enough that you can then teach others? And how do you do that? Yeah, I go like super immersive. I have like a number of projects that I I, I just done and start building and, and hacking in and, and just trying to get the lay of the land in terms of how things function. I have always taught best when I'm teaching something that's very fresh in my mind. Like the channel was started on the premise of me teaching what I had just worked on that day at work. So like, I, I think becoming an expert in something is kind of a detriment occasionally to like the content you're trying to produce because you lose all of those little missteps you hit along the way. And mm. I, I'm not a great reader either. So like, reading docs is not good for me. So like what I do is I, I like I can read code. I like reading code and I like listening to videos or podcasts or whatever, but reading docs, oh my eyes, I just like uh, go to sleep. But <laughs> for things like this, like if I wanted to do this, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to have some of the examples open, some of the docs open, and I'm going to have some ideas of things that I want to build. And I'm just going to try to build them. And sometimes it just works. And I'm just like, oh, this was easier than I thought. And other times I hit a bug and then I fix the bug, hit a bug, fix the bug, whatever. And through that, I gain ideas about what people who are coming at this from a completely like ignorant, ignorant place might run into when they're doing it. And 
the idea for me is if I'm hitting all of the bugs ahead of times, I'm going to be able to call out what you're not thinking about or what what experts are not thinking about when they're teaching something because they they just totally miss that aspect of pain points that normal people might have when working on this. I, I think too oftentimes experts come at technologies from a place of jargon and filling people's heads with things they don't need to know too early. I have a lot to say on this because like when I was teaching, I would always find that my my tutorials that I always felt were too basic were always my most liked and most viewed, like hands down every single time. And that like really shaped how I, I view creating content in that regard. I think that makes yeah. sense. I think people people start with these sort of tutorials when they want to learn from ground zero almost. And that you actually want to teach them about the first roadblocks that they encounter. And like you said, you know, if you've done them the day before or whatever, you already know what you found when you sort of hit that. And that's exactly what they would want to know. And you've had the benefit of doing the research for them. And you can just say, hey, you'll you'll encounter this. And, you know, that's how you fix it. So, yeah, absolutely. I think it's great. Totally. You know, before we get, get deep, too deep into Svelte, I was just wondering, was it like risky picking Svelte for the first time and, and blocking off a month for it? Because obviously, you maybe like people who subscribe to Level Up might have expected a React leading you know, content mix, and then, you know, to, to see more asphalt, th- that might be less relevant to them. Mm. Is that a concern? Ever so slightly, but I've never really been too concerned about that. Like, I, I've been always, I don't know, pretty decent about following my heart in this. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny, because like, I do have polls in like, user submission stuff to ask my customers, like what they want to see, right. But too oftentimes, and I don't want to bring the whole old Henry Ford thing into this where he's talking about, you know, faster horse thing. Uh, but like, uh, <laughs> do you, I don't know the quote exactly, but either way, like a, lo- a lot of the times the suggestions and I love my audience are just not, are not things that I would actually produce a course on. And they're like hyper specific, whatever they're working on at this moment. Like I want a tutorial on AWS with this and this and this very specific thing. I'm just like, okay, but you're the only person who's going to want that. And so I'm always looking into things that I think people will find interesting if they give them a chance. One of the first examples for that for me was with Meteor. When I started doing Meteor tutorials in 2015, it was like just when it hit version one and people were kind of hyped on it, but it wasn't like a lot of people still didn't know about it. I had just heard about it at a meetup and like those tutorials for me did really well because people didn't and people didn't know about it and they were surprised at how easy it was and how cool it was. In the same regard, I think that that was how I felt about Svelte. It's like, people might not know about this yet, or they might not know how cool it is. But I've turned a lot of people on to Svelte in my channel just because they can see, oh, I've been working in React for so long, and now I I don't have to deal with choosing a state library. I don't have to cho- deal with any of these things that React makes very difficult. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it, it it isn't inherently a risk because you might lose some people, right? Yeah. But I I've I've never been too too concerned about that. Like even with Gatsby, right? I think my Gatsby tutorial was like a a year ahead of most others, and I I did like a Gatsby unboxing video before like anybody knew what Gatsby was, <laughs> just because like I I feel like I have my uh, I have good intuition in terms of like what will speak to people because I I feel like I'm uh, a, an everyday developer. I like my code to be simple. I like it to be easy to write. I like it to be clean. I like it to be efficient. And it's like, when I see something that makes me go, oh, wow, that's that's pretty cool. I, I have a good gut feeling that other people will feel that way as well. Yeah. You know, what you just said makes me realize that 
you know, a video site like yours, people may not actually watch to learn the thing right away. They might just be using it as a survey. Like, give me, mm-hmm. like, I'll, I'll take 40 minutes and then let's just see what this thing is about. And I don't have to delve into it myself. I can just watch Scott do it for me. That's a value add in itself. So yeah, I've good. been starting off each series. I, I've been doing this recently. When I do a new technology, I've, I've started really falling into a, a formula where my very first tutorial is always a what is. So I used to have a series called like what is blank, what is react. And I would just describe it. And now those are now my very first tutorial in every series. So if I'm doing a series on Dino is the the course for this month. The very first, what is Dino? <laughs> that way, like if if you want to check in and read, watch the first video, understand what the heck Dino even is, then by all means, watch that first one. And if it's not interesting to you, we have a lot of other content for you to watch. <laughs> all right. So this new course, well, what's what's in it? It's it's about animating, but you mm-hmm. can animate all sorts of stuff. Like, what are you focusing on? The focus is really like hyper practical interface animations. So like we we teach you in like the first five videos, we teach you like the basics, right? How to use the the built-in animation directives, the drop-ins, uh, then maybe what exactly like a custom JavaScript animation is doing in the fact that you can just get access to a time value and manipulate it to do whatever you want for a custom CSS, right? And then once we teach you those things, we get like right into the the practical application where we're building like a, a slide and navigation and then a toast menu and then a modal, like real, real stuff that you're going to build. So like, that's really the goal for me is it's like, these are the things you're going to build a hundred times. So like, you're going to want to be pretty proficient in those pretty quick off. And then after that, we get into stuff that I'm really into, which is like gesture based animations, things like uh, dragging and stuff. We get into actions pretty quick. The actions videos the like the ninth video in the series where we explain what they are. And then we build, we, we start to build what could be the gesture drag library that Svelte doesn't have that I would love it to have. Although we kind of just ignore the fact that mobile exists for the sake of <laughs> simplicity. But like <laughs> the, the idea is, is that it does it's exist the, to get started. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's really it for me. It's like in the React course, I've done, oh man, I've done Framer Motion for React, Advanced Framer Motion. I've done React Spring. So I've done three, and I did a 3D React course, which is a lot of animation stuff. So I've done like four animating React courses. So I have a lot of these like projects in my back pocket of things I'd like to build. And like the next step up from this would be like, all right, we have like, you know, in like some apps on mobile, you have a drawer, you slide up stays up, slide down. You can interpolate other values from those values. Like I have projects that I I sit on and I'm thinking, all right, if I ever do an advanced course, this is what I'm going to do it on. So it is funny. I have like all these like little animation ideas floating around. And then once I get enough of them in my head, I could produce like the next level to that, to that like getting started course. Cool. The action section is, is my I, ha- I haven't yeah. watched your tutorial yet, but no, I love action, so so I'm definitely gonna check that out. You got Kev excited here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every time actions come up, I get super excited. <laughs> They're very good. I, you know, it is really fascinating for me to see, like, even like get into like the custom event stuff, right? Like, I don't know, you're not you're not beholden to some library's ideas of like what you want to access, and like I can write custom events to do whatever I want to trigger events in, in Svelte from my action. And I, I could attach DOM properties or whatever I want in that action I can do. And it just, to me, is is elegant. It's very elegant. And I'm, 
I thrive on a little bit of magic. The right amount of magic I thrive on in, in actions to me is that right amount of magic. That kind of sums actions up pretty well, I think. Mm-hmm. Magic enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, magic enough. Yeah, once oh. I think I think people's minds can get blown in that, like in the so in the in the actions like content. What we do is we like teach you. All right, just by a, a, applying an action, this is all all that happens. Right? It's very basic at its is very much. This is what happens. Then what you do is you click and drag and move the X property, uh, storing that state and using a, a spring. Right? So you can store that state in spring, and now okay, X X. You can drag it on the X. Oh, look at how easy it is. Now you drag it on the Y. Oh, now you want to add some constraints. Now you want to add some events. You want to build like a, a Tinder swipe thing. You can do that in like two seconds. I think that kind of stuff really blows people's minds when they see just how easy it is. Yeah, it's a, it, it feels like those sort of things are pretty complicated in other frameworks. So speaking of other frameworks, like what, what or I guess React, uh, mm-hmm. since you've done a lot of courses on that, what kind of things are easy in Svelte when it comes to animations compared to to like the stuff you've done the, with React? The basic stuff. The basic stuff to me is the most pain in the React world, specifically like unmounting components. So in Svelte, we have our transition, right? You can just transition, colon, fly, whatever. In React, you have to worry about the unmounting and controlling of the unmounting. So to, a good example of that would be the frame motion, which is my animation library of choice. I really like React Spring. React Spring is a fantastic choice, but frame motion made it a little bit easier. In React Land, I'll take easy, right? So frame motion to worry about unmounting something, you have to wrap it in a component. So it's like a wrapper div called animate presence. And then you have your condition and then you have your thing you want to animate. It becomes this like, you know, nesting doll of components that you shouldn't have to have to do an unmounting animation, right? You should be able to just have your Boolean flag or whatever, turn something off and then the component to be animated and then it should worry about its own thing. And things are even compounded so much more when you're working with a system like Next.js or Gatsby, where the routing goes all the way to the top of the app, which drives me nuts in those platforms. And it makes it makes <laughs> unmounting animations have to be orchestrated from the very top of your application, which is is crazy to me. And the main reason why I don't use Next or Gatsby in my own personal stuff, like I get those those platforms are fantastic for what they do. And I really like them. But I don't use them on level up tutorials because we have a lot of nested routing systems where if I wanted to control the unmounting and mounting of specific components at any given point, like I just can't do it. So that to me has always been a major pain point in orchestrating animations in React, uh, specifically nested layouts and unmounting is is a giant, giant pain. Framer motion has made it a lot easier back in the days of React motion. Uh, you had this like really ugly syntax. And, and granted, React Motion was fantastic. It was like one of the first libraries to really use render props really neatly, but it was like very hard to look at code to me. I, I just never really loved it. Yeah. My, my understanding is a little bit vague here, but isn't is isn't it also true that Svelte's at transitions are in CSS? So so they're executed, you know, inside the browser, you need a possible reversible, that kind of, that kind of stuff. I, that was a selling point to me, but I'm, I, haven't, I haven't actually tested how to do that in React. Like, yeah. 
I never got emotion. there in React, but I but you know, in, in Svelte, it's just part of the normal teaching path. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. No, frame or motion does it in CSS too. Everything's done okay. via CSS transforms. So anytime you're animating anything in the the web, it's important to use CSS transforms because it uses the GPU. If you're modifying the position, it's janky. So CSS transforms, and one of the things I, I do really like about some of the platforms, specifically frame or motion, is that they like to take that option away from you. So when you animate the X property, it does all the transform 3D stuff. You don't have to think about it. And I like that because it's not giving anybody an opportunity to make something positioned absolute and then animating the left property, right? It's just not not opening that door whatsoever. So that is like a, um, I don't know, the, the React platforms can do some things that are nice for you, but again, you end up having to write more code to do the same thing in, in Svelte. Like I said, the 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 transition element and transition aspect of, of Svelte overall is just way nicer to me. Nice. The two of the more advanced ones that I see that you have are, are Crossfade and Flip, um, which yeah. are also it's kind of pre-built things. I, I you know there are talks about them, but I still I still personally don't understand them. What what is your what is your take? What how do you how do you explain Crossfade and Flip? <laughs> Crossfade and Flip are unfortunately very poorly documented on the site and i think there there could be some some improvements good thing there. good thing you don't read the docs <laughs> <laughs> well uh, they're the, the exam it's it's funny because the the way i uncovered everything about them is by having them in the examples repo right or the yeah, examples yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's like yeah. the, that's the way i learned everything about crossfade and flip because i think one of the <laughs> This is actually funny. I could find this on the Svelte site. I, I should submit a PR for this. I'm sorry, I haven't. There's like one thing that was like really funny on the Svelte site to me when I was really like diving into this. I was just trying to find the API for for Crossfade. I was just trying to find the API and the Svelte documentation under Svelte transition. It's like module export seven functions, fade, blur, fly, scale, draw, and Crossfade. And then it proceeds to tell you about all of them except for Crossfade. <laughs> it just, it, it just <laughs> pretends Crossfade doesn't exist after that. I was just like, okay, but like, what's the API for Crossfade? Like, where does this go? In fact, if you do a command find, Crossfade is only mentioned twice on the entire page. So it's very funny. But no, so okay. So Crossfade is basically used when you're moving something from one like DOM container to another DOM container. So you have one DOM container, you have an item that exists and it's going to be moving like parent containers and you want it to zoom from one container to the other container or fade from one container to another container, whatever you want to be able to control that animation, you want to fade it. There's a, a React library called, I don't know if this React Overmind, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's early in the morning here for me, but th there was a react crossfade that basically did the same thing where you pass a, a, a specific ID key to one item and an ID key to another item. And as long as when those components were being transitioned, essentially, it would take the position and elements of one to position elements of the other one, it would swap them and then do the flip animation. I'm, I'm, right. I'm gesticulating here with my I'm arms, realizing this on a podcast. Yeah. I do this to us all the Just, time. He's excellent. <laughs> yeah. So, so you really, it helps to understand the idea of, of flip animations and a flip animation is, oh my God, I always ruin this because I always want to say first inner, it's for, uh, first, last, first right. invert, last play, first, last invert, play, play. 
either way, what it's doing is it's it's basically doing the animation backwards. So like if you were to have a box and you wanted this box to be 100 pixels to the right at the end of the animation, it would actually start the animation where the zero position would be the new position of the box. And then instead of animating 100 pixels to the right, it would be animating 100 pixels to the left and then reversing that animation. That way the browser already knows exactly what's gonna happen and where it should go. The animations are much smoother and it's a giant pain in the butt to set up most of the time if you're doing it by hand. I know some people might disagree with that, but for me, I don't wanna have to worry about any of that stuff. Like I don't wanna have to worry about the, the inverse position of something when I'm doing an animation. I just want it to look smooth and I want it to go from uh, A to B and I want it to just work. So flip animations are really fantastic for a lot of things because they, they make uh, animations like that very smooth. So it works really well in that kind of crossfade environment where you know the ending position of what this thing's gonna end up being. So in regards to Svelte's flip animation, it's primarily, for me, it's used for, let's say you have, in Svelte's own example, right? You have a to-do list and you remove one item and you know that at the end, when you remove that item, it's gonna collapse down into like three items, right? So the bot, let's say you remove the second to last item, the bottom item knows that it's going to be up negative 10 pixels. So it goes up negative 10 pixels, inverses that, and then actually does the animation. But the first two or first three steps of that, you don't ever see, it does them behind the scenes without doing anything, it just calculates it all. And then so that way you get this really nice effect of essentially things just falling into place. It's really nice for drag and drop interfaces. It's nice for anything like that. I think Framer Motion has something in React that's like some magic layout thing that that's really neat. But uh, in Svelte, it's just flip. And I, I dig that it's it's just flip. And I haven't used it beyond the context of those things. But then again, I don't use flip animations a ton beyond that context where you have you're moving things in a list or you're changing their position or something like that. They're neat tools to have. They're absolutely neat tools to have. But again, in practical animations, you probably won't end up using them a ton ton. I mean, I think yeah. I'm quite jealous because I don't use any of these animations apart from maybe fade. I'm not building the kind of sites where I need to do this stuff. And it's just such a shame because it is literally there and it's a bit of a game changer. So it is, and it's a lot of fun. I find this stuff to be a lot of fun. Before I was a, a, a web dev, it was my goal in life to be a motion graphics artist. I had trained to be that. I worked in After Effects primarily. So my like my training in college was setting me up to do motion graphics, and I worked in a magazine doing motion graphics for a little while. So they had like a CD they would send out with the magazine. So I got to, oh, to nice. do all the, the intro motion <laughs> graphics for it. Stuff. It was a really cool gig. And that's really what I wanted to do. It was like, I was going to move to LA and work in movies doing motion graphics and commercials and whatever. And then I didn't do that. And I chose to, do, to work in web. And so it's like, I have all that, that background knowledge, which is probably the reason why I started a video site in the first place. And, you know, animations are pretty prevalent all over my site just because it's just fun. It's just fun for me to work. Yeah. On. It's, it's not important. It's like, like, just fun. It gives a nice effect as well. It, you know, it, it's, it's weird how much how much better a site could feel with just a few small animations. So I think it is a really critical thing to have built into a framework. It, it totally changes the way you approach a site and how you feel about how well that site works for you. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah it, can, it can work like a little bit of a seasoning, just a little extra kick there. It's like what's yeah. going to take your your home-cooked food to like restaurant quality food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose that works, yeah. <laughs> it's not just fluff, it's great. I, th I think the, so like, like when it comes to animations and transitions, I, I've been trying to play around a bit with crossfade a while back. 
And I, I did it in the context of like switching pages in Sapper. Mm. And that was not as easy as I wanted it to be. But that's also because I like, you know, you have to like specify where do you want your your headline, say, for example, a list of blog posts, and you want to go to the actual blog page. You want the the title to like fly into the blog page title spot. Mm-hmm. That was a bit confusing and even in, in Svelte, but maybe it, it actually was easy compared to other stuff. Not sure. Svelte crossfade for me is harder than, than crossfading in other platforms, but only because the documentation is is sparse on it like what needs to be i found myself like occasionally like having things set up to the point where i'd be like why is this just not why is it not crossfading right now like why doesn't this work and and then you look at some of the examples and you're like all right okay does it need to be in a keyed list do i need to have the ins and outs like what do i need here for this to work when it seems like in other platforms you can just give here, uh, here, this X, X gets an ID, Y gets an ID, it compares those two IDs, cross evades them, right? That to me could be more simple, especially given how simple everything else is. And I, I would find myself reaching for transition just about more, way more often than crossfade just because, uh, just because of ease of use. Yeah. Speaking of things that are kind of missing or hard to do in Svelte, do you, do you find anything else that's tough to do in Svelte compared to, to React, for example? It's a good question. You know, there's the obvious one, which I, I think it's not something that's tough to do, but it's tough to make a choice in routing, which I think everybody knows is is a thing, right? Just because there's no clear guidance. and But, you know, that's a strength of other frameworks. So it could be a strength that the, uh, the problem is, is that like, there's just there's a lot of options, and then if you're using uh, Sapper, yeah, you you have the the file based routing, and that's fantastic. I like the file based routing, but like, let's say I wanted to pick a router for whatever I'm doing in this felt project, where do I even look? I found what was interesting to me was that I found the APIs against the routers to be kind of interesting. Let me see if I can find. There's a, a router that I, I actually really liked using. Uh, teen. teen tro teen tro there's always there's I, always I, more there's always more <laughs> yeah. that's the whole thing <laughs> there's so many where i found it an awesome awesome svelte awesome i still use like a vanilla router like i don't use any of the svelty ones really i just use a regular javascript mm. router just because i kind of i know the api so i just you know i don't really consider it too much but yeah yeah yeah, routing is one of the areas where I do like a little bit of magic. And one of the things I really liked in a router is to be able to use. This has been called out by some people. I like to just use a tags and, you know, hrefs to point my link. And then, you know, I don't yeah. want to have to think about all that and let the browser work it out, right? Let, let the <laughs> uh, framework work it out. And this this router, shoot, my site's on Sapper now, so it's not using this router Although I do it's, have a project on it. So let me check it out. The router that I found, T-I-N-R-O, Tinro, Tinro. Tinro. Yep, never heard of that one. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I didn't ever hear anybody else using Tinro. it. So every time I recommend it, I was always kind of like, yeah, Tinro. Uh, so this, this router was really neat because, one, not a lot of wrappers. I like wrapping provider components i really i just don't like a lot of providers right so it, you don't have to deal with providers you have a route component a route component that allows you to even have nested routing 
and then you just use normal anchor tags with hrefs and that's it like you have a route <laughs> and you have an anchor tag and when any pattern matches that route it will show whatever's in there it doesn't matter if it's nested it doesn't matter where this thing is uh the api was just really nice and i found it just about every other router required you to have different providers in different sort of ways that just it's like i do i need this provider when teen row here doesn't just completely omits the fact that there is such thing as a provider then you get into land where it's like in nextjs and react you have and a link tag with a two property around an anchor tag. I'm like, what is going on there? Uh, I like complained about that on Twitter. And Dan Abramov was like, why don't you just set up auto imports? I'm like, that's not the point. And wow. He's like, well, why don't yeah. you just have an anchor tag? I'm like, that's not the point. Like, the point is, is that you have an unnecessary DOM tree where you don't need one. It used to be like a huge pet peeve of ours in Drupal is that Drupal would just like add eight divs to everything you were doing. So then by the wow. time you tried to like CSS anything, one time, we had like an all night hackathon and it was me and like two other devs when we were building the initial level up tutorial site was built in Drupal. And the one dev would be like, he was, he was new to Drupal. He was like a WordPress guy and he would be like, so why don't you just style this one? And we're like, because it's Drupal, we don't get access to that class. <laughs> uh, you're like, oh, but what, why don't you just style this div? Because we don't get access to that. Well, we'd have to hack the PHP template in this particular plugin. It was like you'd have yeah. to like really dive into this this plugin, this this PHP file, just to find where the div was to put a class on it. And like, I don't know if it's just like been traumatized from that experience, but like, I like I see some wrapping divs, and I'm just like, get them away, get them but out I of here. That, I think. You've hit on something really important there. I think that people come now and they see these things, they see these these tags, these link tags, and they haven't had that prior experience of working with something like Drupal or you know something else that does things in a really weird way to understand mm -hmm. why we now go just use the link tag, just use the a tag rather. Like you know why we make that decision, why we we seem so adamant about doing something that seems backwards because you get all sort of extra power with a special tag for it and stuff. But there's a, there's a good reason, and I think. It's very hard and it might even relate to, you know, the, the whole thing about doing a basic tutorial. You run into a roadblock, why do you use an A tag? Well, because this is why you use it, you know. So it's actually, it's a learning that is so necessary and, and it gets harder and harder to find. It gets more and more buried in the history of mm -hmm. you know, the million and one frameworks you can write a website in. Yeah, and HTML's not going away. So it's like, why would I, I want to learn these layers on top of HTML when the HTML API is there for me? I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. then I say that as somebody who likes magic and JavaScript framework. So I understand that contradiction. <laughs> you like enough magic and enough magic is fine. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and Svelte is HTML. So yes, that's exactly. true. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yes. I know it's, it's Svelte is the most HTML-y of all the frameworks. And I really appreciate that about it. <laughs> Certainly why I like it anyway. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is it's close to the bone. It's as close to the bone as I want to be. Yeah, totally. There's a small schism at least in my mind, with regards to how styling is done in Svelte. Mm. Obviously, Svelte comes with scope styles by default, but I've, <laughs> I think I, I may be in a minority here, at least at least in the Svelte Discord, where uh, I try to use Tailwind to get over Svelte and then and I only use Svelte styles for that. But uh, I was just curious if you had an opinion on, on that kind of thing, because like, like you said, CSS isn't, you know, to paraphrase you, CSS isn't going away anytime soon, so maybe yeah. we should just use CSS. Yeah. But I do find that Tailwind is, is, is more ergonomic, plus um, I, I use a design system as opposed to just magic numbers everywhere. Yeah. For me, Tailwind is just something else I have to learn. I can 
like easily have my own utility class library that I've made myself that's like finely tuned to the only utilities that I, I would need or want. And then I get to invent my own utilities that I can use. So to me, I just don't, I don't want it. I don't want to learn all of the shorthands. I don't want to learn all of that stuff. We've spent a good amount of time perfecting our our design system and our utility libraries on our own platform. So I just don't really have a, a super use for it. Not only that, but like, I, I like to, to wrap up a lot of stuff in like useful utility component things and then control it all by CSS custom properties. I, I am gifted with the benefit that I uh, can, uh, I don't have to care about browser versions because the people who are using level up tutorials are not going to be on internet explorer. So like give me CSS custom properties and give me all that stuff. Yeah. Right. So we've been on grid and custom properties for so long now that like I I'm totally out of touch with what it's like to build a, a, a site for normal people. And, and maybe <laughs> like maybe having uh, something like tailwind in there, that's going to like really just look good no matter what you use those like shorthands and it's just going to look good with all the utility classes and stuff that is appealing to me, but it's appealing in the same kind of way that, that I, I get that it's not bootstrap, but it's appealing to me in the same kind of way that bootstrap was where it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. And I do like those aspects of tailwinds. We have a thing on syntax where every time we mention tailwinds, we regret it because we say something and then everybody gets really angry at us. What did you say about my CSS framework? Yeah, <laughs> really, really feisty about tailwinds. So yeah. I'm not going to say anything bad about it. It's it's just not for, for me personally. I yeah, really love it the scoped CSSing in Svelte by default, in which it can be a controversial thought on its own just because people take that as saying, like, you just don't know CSS. Like, okay. <laughs> like, uh, it's very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Like so people, noxious. People say, like, oh, you can't handle the cascade? Uh, you can't you can't handle the cascade? Like, why can't you control the cascade? Like, yeah, I can control the cascade. Are these the same people that turn around and, and, and use CSS modules? Because, like, that's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't. No, it's the people It's the people who just, like, only write SAS still or only write CSS. And like, that's cool, man. But, like, they're in addition to the cascade. Having scoped containers is really slick. And in fact, I've been using styled components a lot like the, the, um, the, the scoped containers within Svelte lately. Instead of making actual components, I've been making like component wrappers at the top level of my components as like the container component. And then everything inside of that is scoped. Hey, don't have to worry about it. And after that, and like there, there are some things where you have like interface patterns where this particular CSS only applies. And the only other options are what, like inlining it or writing a new class or, or BEM or like really nailing down that specificity there in your CSS that like, okay, th these are all viable things. But at the end of the day, you're just trying to solve the same problem, which is how do you how do you attach some styles to one specific element and scope it to that element? And to me, the fact that you could just drop a style tag and say h1 margin top zero and have it only apply to this one specific is specific facet of your entire site is like very, very appealing to me because yeah. you can still yeah. write the rest of your CSS in scoped design systems. It's funny, one of our latest courses was modern CSS design systems where like that was the whole premise of it is like how much CSS can we get away with where you're only styling elements and so no classes for the first you know 15 videos we're just trying to get as much of a complete design system as possible with no classes in CSS custom properties and then after that then we can start to add some utility classes that we're creating ourselves and then like you can get so 
far. In fact, in the animating Svelte course, the design system that we use for that course is the same design system that we created in the modern CSS design system. So it's like good enough to use in all of our other content. And that's actually another thing I like to do is like triple dip, double dip, triple dip, whatever. When I'm like learning <laughs> something, if I'm, if I can get more content out of it, it's like, oh, I'm realizing that the, the CSS in some of my tutorials doesn't look good. Maybe I should just do a course on making that CSS look good. And then I'll <laughs> have good CSS for the rest of my content. So that that's extra tutorial. A, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's always that's a fun line. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we can get a syntax episode out of it too, huh? Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe we should talk about that a bit. Like, how is it running a, a podcast for such a? You've been running this for like so long, right? Four years. We just hit our three hundredth episode. I think maybe we started it in two thousand. 17. It's it's funny for me because Wes and I created Syntax a year before we ever recorded the first episode. The first episode oh. launched June 27th, 2017. And so we sat on the idea, like literally for like, we have the dot design document for it. And it was like, June 2016. And we had like, 20 episode ideas written down, we had the name, we had like all of the segments, we had like, uh, a lot of like the stuff that is syntax, we had completely figured out a year in advance. And we just like, yeah, we were just both busy. I had gotten a job at like a startup. I wasn't, I was doing level up, but it was still part-time for me. It was still nights and weekends. And I, I like to, to say like, my son was born in May of 2017 and he's my first child. And in like by June 27th, we started the podcast. I quit my job. And I went full-time with Level Up Tutorials all in one month just because I had this, like, uh, you know, this this clarity, this this weird clarity that came with the birth of my child, which is just like, I'm not happy doing what I'm doing. I'm not happy in the job that I'm in. We had this really neat idea. I have these, like, you know, grand ambitions, like, now or never, let's do it. Let's get it. So, uh, um, yeah, we, we just, we recorded the first three episodes and we're like, listen, we're just going to record... We'll record for like six months and see how it goes. And we recorded the first three episodes and the response was like immediate. And by the fourth wow. episode, we already had a, a decent audience. We had a, um, I, I think Wes and I predicted correctly that like I had 300,000 followers on YouTube. Wes has a billion followers on Twitter and his email list <laughs> and his courses, right? And we predicted correctly that those audiences don't overlap that much. We actually ran some like audience overlap thing. I forget where we even found this code, but it was like for our YouTube audiences. And like, he only had like 60,000 people on his YouTube or something. I say that as like, I'm just, you know, whatever. <laughs> but we found out that we had like zero overlap, like even throughout all those people where it's like the overlap was like nothing. So uh, I think we just That's got amazing. lucky. Yeah, we just got lucky. And Wes is a powerhouse at marketing stuff. So, you know, he cooked up the site and in, in, shout it out to his emailing list and whatever. And it was, it was very uh, big right away and level up tutorials. Like for me, like I had the the bones of level up tutorials. The new site was there it was an e-commerce. I had all the subscription code done because I'd been working on it nights and weekends forever and ever and ever. And like, like it was like kind of mind blowing to get eight hours a day to work on it. So now all of a sudden I could 
focus all that like crazy energy I had into it into like actual actual work. It was a wild month for me. <laughs> I had no, it was like a deranged no sleep. I wonder actually, I wonder how you could if you listen to those early episodes, if you can tell just how little <laughs> sleep I had gotten before <laughs> any of it. I remember when I started Svelte Radio, I was thinking of having it as like a more like a news sort of mm. uh, podcast where I like talk about the latest stuff that happens happened in Svelte. But I only managed to get like a five minute episode yeah, out. Yeah. And that's I the just, problem with that. Just sat yeah. there for like months and yeah. I didn't do anything. One episode. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what the so there's like a, a Rust <laughs> podcast. That's all it is. And like, yeah, you can't get any more than like five minutes yeah. out of that. Like, yeah, just yeah, read the news. Yeah. It's crazy because you you'd think that there's more things happening, but it it's so quick to just blast through the the topics, right? Yeah. It's 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 a lot more fun as well with co-hosts. Definitely. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. I think, uh, it's funny. I was just talking to Wes about this because we we were just like planning our our twenty twenty one stuff, and like I was just talking like, man, it's really cool that like I get to just like talk to a good buddy about stuff I really like. And like, that's really what it's about for me more than anything. It's like, man, I can, I can just like chat web. Cause like, I don't work with anybody else. And uh, otherwise I'm just talking to my wife who she, by all means, entertains the idea of listening to me. Uh, she's, she doesn't know anything about web. She's a, a psychologist. So it's like, she'll just be like, okay, that's great. But she, she does know what uh, Node.js is. She knows all of the JavaScript frameworks. And if I mention one, she'll be like, oh, is that this thing? Like. So she, by all means, she cool. actually entertains the, <laughs> entertains the conversation. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure she is very thankful that I have somebody to spill all these these things inside of my brain too that actually wants to hear it. <laughs> you know, s- since you, you're the veteran podcaster in the room, what is your advice to us and to, to other podcasters out there who might be thinking about starting a podcast? Mm. I don't know. Keep it fun and educational all the time. That's like the only thing that we've tried to do. And like the fun aspect of syntax, I think that's just like part of like and some sort of weird natural rapport that Wes and I had from day one where like, I don't know how or why, but he and I just like clicked right away, right? By all means, like I, Wes and I had never even met through like a year of doing syntax. So, um, wow. <laughs> yeah. So we like did, we, we weren't like, we, we were acquaintances. We had done video chats and helped each other out in our, our mastermind group and stuff, but we, we didn't know each other super well. So like the fact that we, we had good chemistry is like, you know, that was just like kind of special or something for me. But like the thing that we've, we like wrote down when we started syntax in our initial like design document of what it was going to look like. We wrote down all the things we hate about other podcasts, not (laughs) naming names. We didn't say this podcast sucks for these reasons, but we both listen to a lot of podcasts. And another thing, neither of us listen to web dev podcasts very frequently. In fact, you guys might be happy to know that this is one of the only web dev podcasts I listen to. (laughs) Uh, I listen to this syntax and there's one I pop on every once in a while that like the topics don't, always interest me but when they do i'll listen to them software engineering daily i don't listen to every episode of that but when one pops up i I like it that's a good one it is good so either way we we like went through podcasts that we liked which were typically like pro podcasts and like okay what are these what are these things that we like and dislike we wrote them all down and then we're just like okay this this these are the things that we like these are the things that we don't like this is where we'll go with it and we didn't like only having people on to like sell their thing, right? 
we still get requests all the time. My boss is releasing a book. He would like to come on your show. And they say, no, you're, <laughs> you're not coming on the show. We only <laughs> invite people on the show who have something to offer that's not like just a product, right? And if they have a product they want to push, that's fine too. But like that's specifically not why we want people on the show. We want it to be first and foremost as educational as possible. We're both web dev teachers. We want to teach something every single episode. We want that to be the focus of things. It was almost like we could distill like what's in both of our tutorial series and try to turn it into just like a slightly different format. And we wanted yeah. to have just like minimal overhead. Like it, here, here's the initial design of our podcast layout. Informal intros, quick informal intros. Introduction to topic, talk about the topic, sick picks, end of the episode. Uh, that's sick it. Uh, yeah, so that, that was like, it was like, we didn't want to have any more structure to it than like we spend 45 minutes of an hour teaching you something is really it. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's actually so, sort of what, what our outline looks like in practice. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think you are very influential in, in how we evolved it over time. And I think also <laughs> the fact that we got editing, I think it was a major lift in yeah. our quality. Oh, yeah. Yes. Huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge I, I, I yeah. think I, I personally edited the first like 40 episodes of Syntax. And even though wow. I, I have a degree 40. in audio, <laughs> it's like I, I'm still not a, I'm like I'm not a practicing audio engineer in any facet. And it was yeah. never something I super loved. Yeah. I did the editing at first, but then I just hated it so much. I, I couldn't yeah. do it. It's tedious. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's tedious. Yeah. Some people like doing it, I guess. No, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. My, my <laughs> best it, friend's an audio engineer. He chops up audio all day long. That's all he does. So, yeah. Not for podcasts, wow. obviously, but like still same regard. That guy could listen to a hundred vocal takes of the exact same word and just be like, hmm. Like, and really get it, <laughs> like, which one of these? But that's, like, why he does what he does, you know? He's Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who's a, a TV subtitler. Oh, And wow. he just watches all these soaps and stuff, and he has to, like, oh, wow. watch the same scene, like, five times and type the words out and make sure that it's, it's <laughs> like, ah, oh, I just couldn't do it. I just, I just, couldn't even physically do it. Anime fans do that for free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hobbyist game translators and things like that. Yeah. yeah. I you know what it's funny, I, I really enjoy editing video, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Cause when I edit video, I'm really only listening to the audio. I don't even I don't even watch my video when I edit it. I don't watch the video <laughs> until it's done edited and then I watch the video. Uh so I only edit based on audio, but for some reason I really like that. I, I, I cannot comprehend why that would hmm. be. See, yeah, it seems like along the same lines. I, I just find, I mean, I don't have the computer for it anyway, so I can't really do it, but it's, I just find anything like that. I can do it for five minutes and I'm really bored of it. And I just, <laughs> it never gets anywhere. It sits on my hard drive forever and then gets forgotten. <laughs> I, I edit at two, two, two X because I can't listen to myself talk at one X. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So I think that's pretty much it. Speaking of sick pics, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but oh, yeah. before that, I was I was going to ask you if you could tell us where we can get your uh, Svelte course. On oh, yeah. You can get my content at leveluptutorials.com forward slash pro. You don't have to go to forward slash pro, but that's the sign up page. When is this episode going to air? Ooh, it, sh it should be out either tomorrow evening. Cool. European time. So right now, if you sign up for Level Up Tutorials, you will get 50% off the year. A lot of the courses, including 
animating Svelte are 50% off individually because we offer a la carte purchases as well. It's like you can do the subscription, but we realize not everybody's company pays for subscriptions, not to mention like everything's a subscription nowadays. So if you want to just buy one course, that all of the courses are 50% off as well. From now until maybe a couple weeks from now, by the time you're listening to this, for our Black Friday sale, we have a timeline on it or a, like a countdown on it, but I think I might Keep it a little bit longer. I don't know yet. So leveluptutorials.com is where you can find all of my stuff. Cool. Nice. And then we have uh, Sick Picks then. Sick Picks. Sick Picks. <laughs> Time uh, to look at our desks. Yes, right. <laughs> you look around your desks. You look at the last things you bought on Amazon. <laughs> you know what? I have a Sick Pick for you guys that's very on brand for me. If you've ever listened to Syntax, you'll know I like podcasts that are typically about like scamming people or, or things like that because, <laughs> uh, crime podcast, but not like, yes. not like murderous crime. I like like web crime and stuff. I don't know why, Ooh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, dark, dark net diaries. Uh, yeah. yeah sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Good. <laughs> yeah. In dark net diaries, we had Jack on, on the show to read one of our spooky Halloween stories. And it was like the coolest thing ever for me. Cause I've been oh. such a fan of it for, <laughs> for so long. So like when he agreed to do it, I was like, Oh yes, thank you. That's so great. I have a <laughs> podcast. that's called Q clearance, the hunt for QAnon. And if you have never heard of QAnon, it's a weird conspiracy <laughs> theory uh, that it has gone through all sorts of different origins. And this is a, a British guy who has like no connection to the U.S. Really, he's just like trying to find out who QAnon is as a person, and it's it's very good. So Q Clarence, it's it's good because it's got all the elements I like about it. This type of thing, it's got a little bit of mystery to it. It's a very good podcast. The host is host is good. It also has a lot of web web things, and it goes into the history of a lot of those like anonymous image boards, 4chan and 8chan, and all this stuff, and who owns them, and and how that ownership has changed, and the sort of like shadiness that goes on in these worlds, and how who's scamming who here and whatever. Uh, but I found it to be absolutely fascinating, and it is. It's on brand for me with the whole thing. So Q clearance, really interesting. Nice. Cool. Cool. I have an author I want to pick. So I, I'm heavily into like fantasy sci-fi books. And I've recently or last few years, I've been, re I've been reading uh, Brandon Sanderson. If you guys have ever heard about him. Maybe, no. maybe yes, not. sir. He's big From in Kinsey the- Dodds. <laughs> oh, he, oh he, he reads them as well. Ken's a huge Brandon Sanderson fan, yeah. and uh, yeah, he he does he does some fiction writing on the side as well. And uh, I I heard about him from there, and then I found his podcast, and uh, he just like has a lot of good advice on writing. Ah, oh oh, he has a podcast. Yeah, with like four other people, it's like a rotating panel of of uh, oh. you know established authors, not self published, like like you know not legit, but people like me, but like <laughs> actual <laughs> actual authors who are successful and and, and have Did like you know big followings and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it, it's really good, really good. Fifteen minutes, cool, cool. Uh, I need, I need on a different topic. Else. Yeah. Did I get a pick by picking something? That's I know so it's awesome. like a different. <laughs> yeah. but what, is, what is your pick? <laughs> just just his My, just his books. Yeah, just his books. They're awesome. But which which one? I mean, he, he has well, a lot. I would start with a with a the series Stormlight Archives. Cool. It's a pretty pretty decent series. Check it out. Cool. I, I feel like I feel like it's on brand to recommend podcasts. So I guess I'm going to pick Acquired. Uh, it's one of my favorite sort of tech businessy podcasts. I, I, I'm almost interested in like the business side of tech as well. And uh, I yeah recently signed up for their their premium uh, show where they where they go a little bit into sort of financing of startups but but just the the free show is just extremely high quality acquired.fm 
the most recent one tells the story of Virgin Galactic, if that's the name of the the thing. But they they just do a lot of research, and then they tell uh, the stories of of companies uh, in very interesting ways. And uh, you always find something new learning about them. So that's acquired.fm. Is it on a tiny tiny network or whatever? I, it may be. I don't know what network. Every uh, company yeah, has yeah, a they, story. They just they ben, just they just ben. joined it. Oh yeah, Virgin Galactic. Cool. Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, they, they tell a lot of things. Uh, it used to be a, about companies that got acquired, and then they would rate the acquisition from like A to F, right? So like Facebook acquiring Instagram was an A, whereas something there, there's not that many Fs, but <laughs> but, but uh, you know it, it could be like AOL Time Warner. You know that that mm-hmm. was that was pretty. Uh, much of a fail but like it, it, it was an in- interesting idea but i think now they've sort of pivoted into just general interesting tech companies that may not have been acquired yet and the most recent one i think was with the superhuman founder as well uh, rahul vora and i'm a superhuman user and i th- i just really admire the the, the way they, they ask questions and it's a good rapport among hosts and yeah it's, it's techie so it's on on theme nice. for this podcast cool uh yeah well my pick i don't want people to think that I sort of imagined or sort of vented my pick as Scott was talking about not enjoying crime, like real life crime. Uh, oh, podcasts. I do enjoy real life crime podcasts <laughs> but not, but as not, well. Like... But not as much. Yes. <laughs> so my, my, my sort of pick is actually a YouTube channel called That Chapter. It's this guy who will talk you through murders, missing persons, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he produces videos, well edited, well made, entertaining videos which are quite long, you know, within an hour or so, or usually about half an hour, at a rate of knots. He does it twice a week, I think, which I don't know how he... Jeez. It must be his full-time job. I don't know, but maybe it isn't. But they're really... 815,000 subscribers. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's probably a full-time job. It must be a full-time <laughs> job, right. But it did some, did some YouTube calculations, and it's not earning him that much, but then mm. I don't know how it works. But yeah, they're, they're very entertaining. He's, he's a very good speaker. Um when I was planning my Svelte Summit talk, which I never actually had time to finish, unfortunately, I was going to use the format that he uses to do my talk. It's way more difficult than <laughs> you imagine because, you know, you're, you're trying to talk about real topics and remember them without reading from a script or having kind of hints because he seems to do it really free flow. And you can see him sort of thinking through in his head. And I think, I mean, he's done so many videos, right? But yeah. It's just so good at it now. The flow is perfect. It's very entertaining. If you want to see where he came from, you can watch some of his earlier videos and you'll see he's very much, he's more robotic. He's much less entertaining. He looks almost nervous. So it's really fascinating to see his his evolution actually through that series. But it's fantastic now. The, the videos he pumps out now are just brilliant. They're just really great. So when I eventually stop working occasionally in the evenings, I, uh, I go and watch a couple of those to to cheer myself up with some some murder stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so here's a channel that you might be. I'm gonna I'm gonna toss you back one that is mm-hmm. similar, but it's maybe a little bit dry compared to what what this is. It's called JCS Criminal Psychology. Have you yes. heard of this one? Yeah, we finished oh, it. It's amazing. Crazy good. Yeah, <laughs> I just found out about this from some Reddit link, and I was just like, oh my gosh, because they so show all this like this footage of like the police interrogation rooms and then they're like analyzing what the police yeah. are doing their tactics in the interrogation rooms it's crazy that that was that was oh, what you know that, that was where we found scary. that chapter because youtube was was actually recommending that chapter based on jcs mm. do you know what jcs stands for by the way because I, I didn't when i watched it first i don't know no jim can't swim 
<laughs> and that I don't know why. The <laughs> His little icon has got like arm floaties. Yeah, so that explains I don't that. know why it's called that, but <laughs> that's very funny. <laughs> on that note, thanks for joining us on this episode. Where where can people get a hold of you on Twitter, for example? Yeah, Twitter S Tolinsky. I realize that's not a great last name. Uh, I always <laughs> joke that I should have come up with like a cooler last name as like a stage name. Stage but, name, yeah. T O L I N S K I. Or if you want an easy level up, Tuts. T-U-T-S. Level yeah, up tuts. That's probably easier. You can yeah. always you can always go with El Toro Loco. Yes, yeah, right. Like El Toro Loco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Awesome. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Bye.